Pickle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. This is the podcast about video game news, occurrences, first impressions, reviews, uh, coming soon, and so much more. All things video game related right here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, folks. It's been a great couple of years. And we're going to keep trying to go strong, weekly episodes, never-ending, even if I'm sick, like today. I'm going to try and make this episode a little bit shorter to save myself from, uh, I don't know, dying, I guess? <laughs> I'm not that sick as of recording it right now. I'm, I'm getting over a cold, but I it's still you can, I, I'm still pretty congested. Uh, I don't know if you can pick it up on the mic. Uh, still pretty congested. Have a slight cough here and there, and got blow my nose every so often. But um, we're gonna, we're gonna power through it, and we're going to jump right in to the first part of the show, which is going to be what have I been playing this past week? Okay, first up is of course Assassin's Creed Mirage, the next. Assassin's Creed game, the first Assassin's Creed game since Valhalla, um, and here we are. Uh, obviously, the past three or so Assassin's Creed games have been these huge, sprawling landscapes. They introduce a new combat style. They, uh, I mean, they 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 like they, they completely went back to like before the times of a, a true assassins and stuff like that, and. Um, even though I, th I find Origins, Odyssey, and even Valhalla interesting, at times fun, I felt them to be a bit bloated, especially Odyssey. I felt like Odyssey started off the strongest out of all three of the newer games, but it quickly descended into meaningless side tasks while trying to uncover the, you know, the, this group of, uh, hidden ones or whatever they're called, um, in that game. Uh, and Origins, I found that one to be the most playable, in my opinion. I played that one for the longest time. Um, but just like with most huge games that are going to take 60, 70 hours to scratch the surface, um, I, I, I kind of fell out of love with it while I was playing it, especially because all three of the games I mentioned... Um, stealth kills don't really work until you start leveling up your character, and it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> like, I understand if you don't have any, if you don't have any weapons on you, like, okay, yeah, you know, you're not going to be able to knock someone out right away, I suppose, but, yeah, no, it kind of takes away that, that appreciation for, for that kind of thing. Anyway, also, the parkour was drastically different, the combat was drastically different, um... So, jumping into Assassin's Creed Mirage, obviously, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a bit of a mix between the older and the new style stuff. There's, there's stuff that's very much akin to the past three games, um, and there's really not much you can do about it. <laughs> uh, but there is also a lot of stuff, and I would say a majority of the stuff taken from older games, older experiences. Um, the combat is is much more closely related to an older game, but it still has that those newer mechanics of dodging and and perfect parrying and perfect dodging, and um, you don't have any like super special moves to use during during all this. Um, but a lot of times you'll parry an enemy and then you'll be able to kill them in one hit. Um, it's very much reminiscent of the older games where, you know, you get a couple, you, you break someone's stance or their armor, and then you can get a, a good swing in and, and usually take them down in, in one hit. Um, they, 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 they definitely limited the amount of enemies on screen at a time, and the way that they did this is by having enemies have a area of awareness so if a, a fight does break out only enemies around the area will show up to start fighting you which is one of my favorite things um it means that if you accidentally do something wrong during a stealth mission or if the game 
you know, obviously the, it's a, it, it is a, the, the, the jumping and free running is a bit janky, almost like reminiscent of the older days of Assassin's Creed free running. Um, if you, if the game messes up, uh, you're not completely fucked. You, you take out the enemies around you and then you can go back and do stealth again, which is nice. And this game does have a, a big emphasis on the stealth aspect. Um, uh, there, there's bushes to hide in everywhere, haystacks or barrels or what do you want to call them. Um, lots of different things to hide around, corners to hide around. Lots of, I mean, I would, I would say your whole move set is pretty much based around stealth. Uh, the special weapons you can get, like the throwing knives, the blow dart that does, uh, that puts people to sleep, the noisemakers, the 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 non-lethal traps and. And stuff like that. Uh, they're all they're all stealth oriented. Yes, you could use them during combat encounters if you need to, but they're mostly based around stealth. And I think that's the big the big selling point of Assassin's Creed Mirage is like, hey, you can do combat all you want, but these levels and most of the game is designed around the idea of being a stealthy assassin, a, a hidden one. And I, I do like that, uh, even though I'm not like the best at stealth. As as people have seen from many live streams, I I get a bit too antsy or get impatient, um, <laughs> so I get I get spied easily. But I I haven't been I mean this one's been you know I've been playing this one pretty well. I I feel like a majority of my time I I do the stealth missions pretty well. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean you know the combat in general is fine. I I it's not I I I do like the more flowing nature of the newer games and how and how you had those little special abilities you could use and um, the combat seemed to be a bit more brutal at times because um, a mirage does go back to that like okay you know there's there's not a lot of like there's not a lot I mean of course enemies will bleed and stuff like that but you know there's not a lot of like there's not a lot of tech being tactical in in these fights kind of like how the original games are just kind of like either spam or hold the counter button this one they give you a pretty wide berth to parry an enemy and usually it doesn't even have to be a, a perfect parry a lot of times the, the parry will be uh late and you can still kill them in one hit and stuff like that so it's, it's a very lenient in a lot of ways both in the stealth and the combat angle um of course there are attacks that you have to dodge um, but you know the the tells are very uh, well scripted, and obviously they they change colors when they do a parryable attack or a uh, one that you need to dodge. So it's one of those things. It's like yeah, you know I I understand what you're doing here. I think that it's you know for a game that's much more inspired by the older series, the older games in the series, it does feel like an older game in the series, just like an evolution of maybe like Assassin's Creed Revelations. At this point, um, but 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 the game does 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 struggle a little bit in in the parkour angle because the game feels so much like those older games. For some reason, the parkour is also very much like those older games. Uh, I think Assassin's Creed Two was the was the one where you know sometimes Ezio would just jump backwards for no apparent reason other than just to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and there were times where, like, you try, you're trying to go down, but he won't go down, and stuff like that. And Mirage has those problems. They're not as blatant and obvious as the original SEO trilogy was. Um, by by the time Revelations came around, I think they had gotten, I think they had kind of cracked down on on that kind of thing. And then when Assassin's Creed Four came out, it, or or three or four, whichever one of those, I think it was four. Because 3 was fine with the uh, free-running, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, whenever 4 came around, they, they broke it again somehow. <laughs> so so Mirage does feel like a, a mix between, you know, that, that Assassin's Creed Revelations and maybe a little bit of the newer games as well. Uh, I, I do still have trouble getting down from places. Um, a lot of times, if I, I feel like I feel like Basim just does not want to climb down he he it's it's either jump do long jump jump or go up <laughs> and uh you know you you press x to uh you you uh, well first off to free run you, you press uh r th uh, l3 to start running fast and then you hold down 
uh, X to climb up and jump across things. Um, and then you tap O to go down, or you hold O to drop completely. You also press O to go into a crouch mode for stealth section, so that's reminiscent of the newer games as well. <clears throat> but yeah, sometimes like even if I'm even if I'm holding O to go downwards, like he'll just kind of sit there and not know what to do. Um, and I think that a lot of the movement is based on joystick direction, which usually I am already holding the joystick down and pressing O. But let's say that there's like a there's a bit of a gap between two buildings and you want to go down before you go up. Well, I'm not going to hold down the joystick and press O. I'm going to press O and forward. And sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you want to. There are some points on the map where Vazim will get stuck trying to climb something and it feels you feel like you should be able to climb it but it just isn't working um like there's several window window types in this game that are like those crossed cross stitch <laughs> um patterns where i feel like yeah there's a lot of little hand holes in there you could totally climb that but he just doesn't want to or he just can't for some reason which once again i mean it does it does feel like the older assassin's creed game which is why i've been really blitzing through it um i'm, I'm almost I think I'm almost at the end of this point, or at least at a at a climax, um, which does say a lot because those other games that I've mentioned, Origins and um, Odyssey and Valhalla, I mean they they are all games that it takes forever to get through their main story and do all those little side quests and level up your character. Uh, with Basim and, and Assassin's Creed Mirage, it, it kind of it starts you off a little bit slow, but once you get out of the training with the assassins, um, then the game just really it just kind of lets you go, and it gives you several places to go to and several targets to take down, and you know it it, it still has that um, thing from the new games, which is like oh you you need to com you complete uh, contracts and 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 find out clues as to who each of the the bad order people are, and then you take them down, which I actually. I, I didn't really like that aspect in the older in, in the you know, the origins and onward, but this game actually does it pretty well. It's 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 a pretty short tree, all things considered, um, and I think that's perfect for a game like this where it's like okay, I am, I am, I'm here for for you know the the experience of you know and and being able to finish this experience, and Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey and Valhalla aren't going to do that for you. And Assassin's Creed Mirage is that game that's like, hey, you want a shorter Assassin's Creed experience? This one has everything you want. It has uh, a few collectibles on the map. It has a bunch of little side things to do while also having, like, these tales of Baghdad. And, um, yeah, I, I think that they've perfectly... I think they nailed almost perfectly... Uh, a an Assassin's Creed game from like, you know, 2008, 2010, when, whenever the uh, Ezio trilogy was coming out, because those games are also pretty condensed stories. Um, obviously, in Assassin's Creed two and and um, uh, three, you like went to different locations inside the world, but this one definitely reminds me more of like a map layout of um, like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, where there's like a con there's like a congested Roman city, and then Outside of that is uh, lots of plains with a few little cities here and there dotted around. Um, it, the map is very much reminiscent of that because you have Baghdad, which is kind of like in the middle, and it's got like several rings uh, around it, which makes the city pretty unique for ancient times. And, uh, you know, there's that big circle with the river flowing, two rivers throwing around it. Um, and then on the outskirts, you have, you know, dunes and just different locales and stuff to travel across. And then you have a few cities dotted around it that are relatively small, actually very small compared to Baghdad. And they definitely made all parts of this game feel alive. Uh, you know, there was, I remember back in the day, Assassin's Creed Unity had a very big push uh, of, <coughs> excuse me, of this city's alive. These there's there's it's populated with tons of people. It feels like you're actually in Paris during the revolutionary times, right? And I think Baghdad is also so well designed in that aspect because everywhere you go, there's just a plethora of people inside the city. When you get to the outskirts of the city, obviously there's going to be less people, and in the in the little tinier towns around it, 
Um, like if you're if you're traveling through the dunes, like you're not going to see a single soul. Obviously, not many people are going to be around there. But there's little 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 uh, rebel camps and stuff like that that you can s- sneak around and. And then there's like a little city that has a, a fair amount of people, but not uh, as many as you would see in Baghdad. So it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know that that's um, it's really cool. Uh, and I, I I I like how lively the city feels. You know, there's a lot of people there. And and contrary to most Assassin's Creed games, if you do something bad in front of in front of NPCs, uh, they will raise your wanted level because the soldiers of the city. They aren't, um, they, they aren't like Templars, <laughs> um, in, in the older games, <clears throat> the soldiers were definitely like a part of the threat and they were a part of the organization and people didn't like them in the city, which made it easier for you to go around and like stab a random soldier and then run away and people wouldn't really care. <laughs> Um, but in this game, if you if you jump down and assassinate a, a soldier in the middle of a open bazaar or a, a group of people, uh, they will run away screaming, uh, trying to get guards and and stuff like that, which is also pretty cool. And just like Assassin, the original Assassin's Creed games, uh, you do have a wanted level, um, and the higher your wanted level, the more enemies and stuff like that will be populated around the city. Uh, if you get high enough, which is a three rank or whatever. They'll send like some sort of like high-ranking battle master to, to track you down, which is pretty cool. Um, and of course, there are ways to decrease your wanted level. So uh, you can tear down wanted posters, which is obviously st- straight from the original Assassin's Creed games. Uh, you can bribe official, uh, like a one of those news reporters, <laughs> and they will um, say that the uh, assassin has been been caught or the thief has been caught or whatever which will completely erase your wanted level. Um, and instead of actually paying them, well, like bribing them with actual money, you give them tokens. So there's a there's a token for each kind of faction. If you want a musical guy to distract guards or group people around him, it's like a musician token. If you want a merchant to decrease their... Uh, sales prices and you know, help you in assassination attempts by smuggling you into somewhere. There's merchant tokens. There's combat tokens for the for the warriors standing around, or the groups of people who are just kind of sitting there. You need to blend in. You can you can have them follow you by giving them tokens. So it's not money to bribe people with in this game, which. Um, so it's not money that you use to bribe people in this one. It, it's it's more so t- these little tokens, these favor tokens that you collect throughout the city by doing various contracts for the different factions, whether it be assassinating a uh, someone or f- uh, protecting a merchant who's traveling or um, do, doing various things. There's the grabbing a, a rare artifact or whatever. And... Um, yeah, that's that's um that's what I mean it it just it does like it, it I want to say that it feels like the older Assassin's Creed games almost to a fault in a way where like maybe they could have they probably could have improved the parkour a little bit more to make it feel more modern while also not have not been so weird that Bazim is just kind of going around wherever he wants at times. Like, I feel like, I feel like the the old school jank was wasn't really needed, right? When people think about the old Assassin's Creed games, they're not thinking about how kind of weird the parkour was or how basic the combat was. They're thinking about the story and the characters and everything in between. And and even though Assassin's Creed Mirage does have a pretty good story, I, I do like Bazim. I think he's a great character. The characters you meet in the world are interesting, but not all amazing characters, right? Um, but the basic plot of the game is strong. Um, it is a bit... I mean, it does feel a lot like the newer games, obviously, by going around finding clues and hunting down the people inside the order. But that's the thing. Uh <clears throat> It, 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 I think the game would have would have been helped by the if they if they if they did embrace some of the older kind of style campaign missions where 
it's much more set up and you know this game it, it, you know mirage is, is much more free flowing like the newer games so you can kind of really plan your route the way you want but maybe if they had sprinkled in a few missions where it's like okay you can do this or you can do that um or or maybe you have a single path and you have to like go go through a building or something like that I, you know the, the, i think there's some things that the game is is kind of missing but also i don't like it's been good so far i i'm not like i'm not super complaining about it because i think in the end like it's an enjoyable assassin's creed experience that harkens back to the old days and feels like the old days at times um and and like i said sometimes to a fault it does uh but it also still has some of those modern assassin's creed things going on that 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 keeps it a bit more interesting um changes things up a little bit and uh you know there's really i mean this is this was what i was looking for and i am happy with it even though i do still have a few gripes here or there i do feel like yeah i i've gotten what i wanted and i'm happy with what uh they they gave me um and it's not full of microtransactions uh, there, obviously there's like dlc um costumes and stuff you can buy uh but you don't have to buy any of them <laughs> um but i mean you know everything in the game is unlocked in the game there's no currency that you need to purchase to buy a specific outfit there's there's not an overabundance of weapons and and outfits that you need to search out um one of the cool things about the game is Obviously, you can upgrade your weapons and gear and stuff like that, uh, but there's only, like, three tiers, and the materials are strewn around in, in chests in, in the open world. Um, and also, you can only upgrade something if you have the upgrade contract, uh, which is, like, this piece of paper that you find in the big chests uh, that are littered throughout the map as well. And it takes a little bit of puzzle solving to get to most of these big chests, where you have to move bookcases, or you have to destroy walls, or you have to stealth around a big area, or you have to find out how to break down a door, or or throw a throwing knife at a chandelier and make it fall and, and cause an explosion that blows out the wall in the back, or you have to remove a, a lock on a door by finding the key, and the guy took the key to the market, so you have to track him down in the market, so there's a lot of cool things like that, too, that's that really adds on to the experience and 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 makes it more enjoyable instead of just holding down X to upgrade all your stuff and and making it be a pain in the ass. You actually have to go into the world and find the stuff and come back and 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 upgrade stuff as you need. And there's perks and stuff you can unlock as well. Um, it's still got that stuff going on, uh, but the outfits you can get are pretty cool. Uh, I, 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 the, the different weapons and stuff like that. They have some. They usually they have like a little bit of a special ability to them. The one I'm using right now is I get 5% extra damage every consecutive hit on my sword and every perfect parry with my dagger. Uh, the next hit will be like uh, an extra damage boost on that. And then my outfit makes it harder for... Uh, actually, it heals every five hits on an enemy. And usually the only time I'm getting hurt is when I'm in combat, so that, that works well for me. And uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know what else to really say. I feel like I've already gone on for maybe a little bit too long. I, I feel like I did start rambling in the middle there, losing track of my thoughts. But please give me a break. I am sick, and so I have that clouded, congested mind right now. All in all, I am excited to continue the game and finish it up. Uh, will I be going for 100%? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, all I know is that I'm having fun uh, with or without um, what am I about to say? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, bottom line is I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I would recommend it to fans of the older Assassin's Creed games, but just keep in mind that it does incorporate a lot of the new elements in there, but there's a majority of older stuff, and it still does have that weird Assassin's Creed jank to it at times, uh, which was kind of fixed in the newer games and even in like Assassin's Creed Syndicate and and stuff like that they did fix that Assassin's Creed jank a little bit but for some reason it's like back in in, in a bit of a fooler force now which is kind of weird and um I don't know maybe that would maybe that would uh turn some people away but honestly I don't know maybe it's the nostalgia talking it's not that it's not that bad it happens once every so often, and of course, it's usually at a time when you're trying to like hide in the bush real quickly. But but Basim keeps trying to climb something, and you're like, "No, Basim, please <laughs> get down." <laughs> uh, but like I said, even if you do get caught while a janky thing is happening, 
Um, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too bad at all. And um, yeah, at least the enemies in the area don't all get alerted. It's just the group around you, which is great. And I probably have other things I wanted to say about the game, but I have too foggy of a brain to remember. So let's go ahead and move on to the next part of the show, which is what's in the news. All right. The 3DS and Wii U online activity is being closed down in early April of 2024. So this means that any online play or other functionality that uses the online communication features will end for both the Nintendo 3DS and the Wii U software. This will include online cooperative play, internet rankings, and data distribution. Uh, they did make some exceptions, like the Pokemon Bank for the 3DS will still be available after online services have ended. Um, but some point in the future, it could be shut down. And uh, there are some software uh, applications from other publishers, but those will be a uh, a, a as-basis kind of thing. Um, a separate support page and mentions that the Nintendo Badge Arcade will display an error screen when launched now, so you'll no longer be able to place badges in the badge box once the online services end. Um, also, users will be able to download update data and re-download purchases and software and DLC from the eShop for the foreseeable future on both the 3DS and Wii U. So you'll still be able to download stuff from the store, um, but once again, the, the store has been turned off, so you can't buy new things. You can just download stuff you already have. Um, also, the 3DS Street Pass will still be available with Spot Pass support ending. Um, in a note, they said, please note that if an event occurs that would make it difficult to continue online services for the 3DS and the Wii U software, we may have to discontinue services earlier than planned, uh, which may be a breach of privacy or a hack or something like that. So um, we'll see what happens there. So early April is a date that they have right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see when it actually... Uh, when it actually gets shut down. Um, I think this is going to... I mean, I don't know if the Wii U modding scene is is up and running like as big as the 3DS modding scene, but both the consoles can be modded, um, and I think that you need an internet connection in order to mod a 3DS or a Wii U. Uh, so if you are waiting to do that um, and you have a 3DS lying around, uh, you may want to do that. I'm not condoning modding either of these consoles like I, I actually i actually actively say don't do that definitely do not mod your 3ds or your wii u uh that would be super bad that would be a naughty thing to do and nintendo would be very angry if you did that so make sure you do not mod either of those systems okay are you hearing me right don't mod them before the online connectivity gets shut down because once it does They'll have, they'll have to be a different way to do that. So make sure... Can you hear me? I'm, I'm slightly winking like over and over again. Can you hear that? <laughs> make sure you do not wink. You do not mod your 3DS before this service shuts down. Definitely do not go onto a website and download a mod. That would be terrible. Nintendo would hate that. They would probably, they would probably stir in their sleep. Uh, but in all seriousness, it probably, like, the best time to mod your 3DS would be now before they turn off internet connectivity um, on either your Wii U or your 3DS. Um, and even though I don't condone modding Nintendo's hardware, if you do want to do it, it would be the time before they shut it down. All right, uh, we have layoffs reported at Telltale Games. Uh, they recently released The Expanse, which was their first game after many years of being um, just not making anything. Uh, they were kind of went under, and then uh, they came back. They were revived, and now it seems like they're they're um a, uh, they're they're having some hard times once again. In a recent uh, post by one of their cinematic artists, Jonah. Huang, who worked on both, who worked uh, with the old Telltale and the new tale, Telltale, he took to Twitter alleging that Telltale had laid off, laid off most of the members of the Telltale team in early September, 
An, ND, an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement restricted him from commenting on the status of the currently in development The Wolf Among Us 2. Telltale did say that they were still working on The Wolf Among Us 2. Uh, so, you know, uh, we'll see if that eventually comes out down the road. But <laughs> it seems like a lot of staff was let go. Um, the, the Telltale Expanse series, it was just released on the 21st of September. I think the first or the final episode was just released on the 21st of September. So um, having these layoffs happen is a huge blow to the, to the people who love Telltale games because I think that, in general, it was a well-received, if not averagely reviewed game, The Expanse. I never got around to playing it because I just... Other things came up, and I'll probably pick it up on a sale eventually. But, um, you know, from what we saw, w both graphically and story-wise, it seemed to be doing a lot more than what your average Telltale game would be doing back in the day. Uh, and I, I guess the sales just weren't good enough, but um, in a Twitter post providing clarification, a statement reads, Due to the current market conditions, we regrettably had to let some of our Telltale team members go recently. We did not take this action lightly, and our commitment for storytelling and finding new ways to do so remains the same. We are grateful to everyone for their dedication along this journey. And we are working to support everyone impacted. All projects currently in development are still in production, and we have no further updates at this time. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of like a just a blanket statement. All projects are currently in development are still in production, but uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, if they did really lay off as many people as this Jonah Huang person is insinuating, uh, then it could be a skeleton crew running the Telltale Game Studio right now, which uh, would not be the greatest thing. Um, obviously, the games industry is not unionized yet uh so they can't i mean what, what are they gonna do at this point um a lot of studios are actually um <clears throat> laying off contract workers um who are people who are just kind of like on the fringe and they're working on things uh as an independent uh for different bigger companies um, the Last of Us multiplayer game is a good uh, uh, example there because Naughty Dog currently cut ties with many of its contract workers in a lay in a wave of uh, industry lay layoffs here, um, and reported on Kotaku, uh, which you know, well, I mean, I say what you want about Kotaku, but uh, the multiplayer Last of Us game is apparently in such hot water that it's not canceled, but basically on ice at this point. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, the project grew in size, but now it's being shut, like, literally, like, the the fringes of it are being scraped off at this point. Um, they haven't really shown anything about the game since some, some concept art, uh, and I've talked about a couple of the images, like the one with the cruise ship and stuff like that, but... Yeah, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Last of Us multiplayer thing got shut down completely. I mean, they, they even brought in a, a guy from Bungie, and he was like, no, 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 this is bad. We need to redo all this. <laughs> uh, so it's, I mean, it's it's kind of expected at this point that we will probably not hear about this game for quite some time, or it's already been shut down quietly. But they're just trying to save some face. I don't know, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of weird things happening in the gaming landscape right now in terms of corporateness. We had the Unity stuff. Now we're having a bunch of layoffs. And finally, to top this all off, uh, there has been a sexual harassment investigation in Ubisoft. Um, obviously, there was one in 2020 that led to the firing of the vice president, Tommy Francois. Um, he left the publisher in 2020 after allegations rise of sexual harassment inside the company. And now a public prosecutor in Paris is handling the case of a, uh, a few more victims who came forward, and uh, <clears throat> there are currently testimonies from around 50 current and former employees of Ubisoft that reveal systematic sexual violence inside the company. Um, so five people have actually been arrested. I don't know if I said that. Five people inside of Ubisoft have already been arrested, um, and it seems like a few more are maybe under investigation still. Ubisoft put out a statement saying that they had no knowledge of what has been shared and therefore can't comment. Um, so, yeah, um, it wasn't that long ago that the Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla director, Ash Ashraf Ismail, was fired, um, after, uh, a bunch of people came forward saying that he was also a, um, serial sexual abuser, 
Um, but uh, they, I mean, Ubisoft did come out and say, hey, we're making changes inside our organization. And uh, in 2021, employees said that nothing has been done since to change the culture. Uh, maybe this will wake them up finally. I don't know. Um, Ubisoft as a company is a strange one because there's a fair amount of games that they make that I, like, I'm kind of invested in. <laughs> but then there's also a bunch of games that are just kind of like, I don't care at all. Um, so <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is if I need to, and if, it, if, if, if people do call out for uh, a boycott of Ubisoft... I'm right there with you. I'm not invested in the Ubisoft games um, like I was back in the day. So I would be right there with you if you need me to. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is just a very concerning concerning thing happening inside of Ubisoft. Uh, they have five more employees uh, essentially be arrested and uh, they're going to be put on trial. It, it's crazy. That, that is actually... That's absolutely crazy. So... Um, I think that some of the people weren't a part of the the studio anymore, the publisher anymore. Like this one says, uh, an ex-creative officer and an ex-creative service director. So it seems like some of these some of these people who have been arrested were not a part of the company still. Um, some of them quit after 2020, but now they're just being arrested. So, yeah, it's it's still not a good look. Let's be honest, it's still not a good look, but. At least it's not as bad if they've already been fired and they've already been let go from the company. So, all right, I, I, I kind of turn around some of my statements, but not all of them. <laughs> and you can pick and choose which one. What am I saying? I don't know. Let's turn around to something more happy. PlayStation Plus Premium members can get free movies on the PS5 and PS4 with a new streaming app that is coming to the console. On October 5th, which has already come around and gone by, the Sony Pictures Core app formerly called the Bravaria Core on Sony's smart TVs, is rolling out on PlayStation consoles, which will give you access to a variety of Sony's movies, including things like Ghostbusters Afterlife, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, 65, The Equalizer, and many more. After signing up, you'll be able to rent or buy thousands of Sony pictures, as you'd expect. Um, however, there are some added benefits to people who are premium members of the service, um, you will be able to have access to a hundred films on demand at no extra cost, including 21 Black Hawk Down, District 9, The Django Unchained, Hellboy, Night of the Living Dead, The Social Network, and many more. And if you live in areas like the UK, France, Germany, and Japan, you will be able to get Gran Turismo, uh, early, um, on the store. You also gain in-game currency for Gran Turismo 7 if you uh, purchase any of the cars seen in the movie in the game. Kind of interesting, I suppose. So we'll see what else they do with this uh, system. Um, it does add a little bit of value to the PlayStation Plus premium tier, so that's good. Like to see that. Love to see that. Um, you can also find a lot of these movies on HBO Max, I'm pretty sure, but... Um, We'll see if they switch the ball over or whatever. Next up, Cyberpunk's sequel will be spearheaded by the team behind the Phantom Liberty DLC and the latest update. Uh, this is to reassure people that the next iteration of Cyberpunk is in the best hands possible. Currently known as Project Orion, it sounds like this is going to be quite some time before we even see a glimpse of what the next game is going to be. Uh, update 2.0 just launched, so uh, as a part of the Phantom Liberty update or DLC, whatever you want to call it, um, which has been widely well received. Um, people calling it the best expansion since Blood and Wine from The Witcher 3, which is pretty great. In a statement, the studio said, uh, "Adam, I'm sorry, Adam Bedowski, who is the chief creator officer, said we're going to work out of North America, Vancouver, and Boston locations." Um, team leaders are already there. So people are there. They're already planning things. And then there's also going to be, um, in late 2024, they're going to work with teams in several nations um, from the U.S. and Poland. Uh, the Polish company has expanded its reach significantly at this point. So there you go. I think it makes perfect sense to make a sequel to this game. Um, it's one of the coolest aesthetics 
out there. <laughs> and with this latest update, um, and with all the good grace that they are receiving back from from this game after its rocky launch, um, I would say that the next game is going to be pretty big. Um, but they need to be careful because if they do the same thing again, where they launch the game in, a, in an unplayable state, we could be seeing a similar affair where people are demanding refunds and people don't play the game and blah, 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 blah. When I played the game, it had been updated a couple times, but it isn't the update that it is now. Um, so should I play the game again? I don't know. I am planning on playing the Phantom Liberty uh, up, uh, content eventually. Um, but uh, right now, there's just too many games coming out, so I need to make room in my schedule to finish them, and, and maybe I'll eventually get around to Phantom Liberty. But even if I don't play it personally, it may end up on the Ferret Awards uh, uh, DLC tiers. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Speaking of updates, Redfall has recently gotten a huge update, adding some much-needed touch-up to the game. Uh, they updated performance and stability, giving the Xbox Series X and S a performance mode, improving the PC performance and stability across a, high, a wide range of hardware configurations. Uh, they addressed several crash, memory crash issues and graphical corruption issues. They fixed issues with resetting the game settings to default, anti-aliasing settings, various performance includings made to hero abilities, weapons, and general game systems, various fixes to hero abilities triggering, triggering properly, improvements to player navigation and collision across the board. Also, they improved the user interface. Um, yeah, weapons that have silencer on them now officially are silent, which is great. <laughs> The mission briefing table now better uh, shows main missions as compared to optional missions. They, an, they added an off-screen indicator when a player is downed. They fixed an issue where objective search areas were blocking fast travel actions, etc., etc. Uh, they, they added in screen narration for accessibility. You can now exit a multiplayer lobby which it says close instead of quit or leave lobby when friends list is open. Lobby labeling is now visible and audibly different. Improved photosensitivity photo work. In the gameplay area, they fixed numerous aim assist and den zone tuning. Um, they increased and decreased your controller sensitivity input ranges. Uh, players who turn up their controller sensitivity, consider trying out aim assist strengths. Okay. Uh, they tinkered with some input response time. Uh, combat's been improved. They added more NPCs and vampires on the map. Uh, enemies will now reposition to avoid firing at their own friendlies. Uh, they improved the AI of several enemy factions. Um, they added more markers on the map for, for that stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, in general, it's a lot of good stuff. Makes the game probably playable at this point. Um, but there's also the fun factor with this game, which I did not have a lot of fun with when I was playing it, which is why I didn't finish it. Um, so keep that in mind. But <coughs> as I told Callus on the Discord, <clears throat> what better time than now to play a, play a game on Xbox Game Pass? You know, no matter what you feel, at least you're, at least you're not wasting $70 on the game to try it out and find out that it's boring. Which I did not do. More updates. Red Dead Redemption Remaster has added a 60 FPS option when playing in the backwards compatibility mode on the PS5. So the PS4 will not have 60 FPS, only when played on the PS5 backwards compatibility version. I believe the same thing goes for the Xbox Series S and X. I believe that if you are playing the game uh, in a Xbox Series S or X, I should say, um, it'll be running a backwards-compatible version that'll be able to run 60 FPS. Which is good, because I think the game needed this update. They quietly released it, so it wasn't even, like, a big deal. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's it's kind of crazy that the game didn't launch with 60 frames per second, but that just kind of shows how bare-bones this remaster really was, quote-unquote remaster. Um, still a good game, and still worth playing, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, now we have the 60 FPS patch. All right. Animal Crossing is getting official Lego sets. It's actually happening. We don't know exactly what kind of sets they will be yet, 
but they showed off a collection of minifigures like Tom Nook, Isabella, Captain, Rosie, Bunny, Marshall, Fauna, and Julian, along with flowers and buildable trees in the area. Um, so we don't know exactly what's going to be, what the sets are going to look like, but we kind of know a general idea of what they could be like, including buildings and tents and and stuff like that. So um, kind of a fun little thing here. Uh, can't wait to see more about that. Just as a reminder for the last thing for the news today, uh, Pac-Man 99 has been officially shut down as of October uh, 8th. If you missed out on playing or purchasing any of the in-game content, unfortunately, it's too late. The online service for the Nintendo Online subscriber-only software Pac-Man 99 will end on October 8th. You continue the, enjoying the offline mode and paid additional content even after the online service ends. Um, which is good because... <laughs> Uh, you can still at least play the offline stuff, which is just playing regular Pac-Man. So, you know, if you like Pac-Man, there you go. All right, let's move on to the final part of the show, which is what's coming soon. All right, the Batman Arkham Trilogy for the Switch has hit a bit of a delay. Uh, it'll now be coming out on the 1st of December. So, um... It still hit the 2023 release window, but uh, in a statement by the studio, uh, they said Batman Arkham Trilogy for Nintendo Switch will now launch on December 1st, 2023. More time is needed to bring players the best possible experience on Nintendo Switch. We apologize to fans who are excited to play this version of their trilogy. Thank you for the patience. If you don't recall, uh, Batman Arkham Asylum is going to be the only game on cartridge. The other two, Batman Arkham City and Arkham Knight, along with all the DLCs, are going to be download only. Um, people were hoping that they were going to be putting the other games on cartridge, but I don't think that's what's happening. I think that they're just optimizing the game a little bit more for the Switch, which is good. Um, don't want the game to come out in a crappy state, especially Arkham Knight, which is the most visually stunning of all the Arkham games. Um, still prefer Arkham City to Arkham uh, Knight and uh, Asylum, um, but uh, after replaying Arkham Knight, I found a lot more enjoyment in it. And I, I really enjoyed it a lot more. Um, but, uh, you know, the OGs, Arkham Asylum and, and City, I do find those better than Arkham Knight. And obviously Arkham Knight is better than Origins, but eh, whatever. <clears throat> it does beg the question, will we ever see Arkham Origins ported to newer consoles? At this point, I wouldn't hold my breath. Remember, uh, do you remember the game Pushmo? It was this game where you could like push and pull various platforming stuff and and platform off of them. Well, now there's Picto Pool, which is a spiritual successor to Pushmo. Um, essentially, it's the same thing where you push and pull blocks in order to make a pathway to get to an objective higher up out of your reach. It works almost exa exactly the same. So if you like Pushmo, um, this is going to be the next best thing for you. Um, each puzzle in Picto Pool is created from pixel art. Uh, puzzles are simple to learn but complex to master as you learn how to create new paths, bridge gaps, and understand the connections between special block types. There will be 150 story levels um, and uh, 10 unique environments to work through, including beaches, futuristic laboratories, construction sites, and many more. Uh, this will be coming out... Um, actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually already out. Uh, October 3rd, it already came to the uh, eShop. The e so if you want to check that out, <clears throat> it is available right now, and you can check out the trailer on Bearded Ants' YouTube channel. They have no subscribers, folks. Maybe drop them a subscription. Uh, Leica, Age Through Blood. Um, if you don't recall, this was shown off at one of those gaming shows back in the day. Um, it's kind of like a cross between a Metroidvania and Mad Max, and a, maybe a little bit of Excite Bike, because what you do is you drive this motorcycle across some barren lands dodging bullets and shooting various anthropomorphic creatures in your way um, and you kind of use your bike your, your motorbike to block bullets and stuff like that as well um, it looks visually stunning really enjoy the visual style and the gameplay looks really smooth this officially has a release date on pc for the 19th of october um, but publisher has confirmed that the nintendo switch version will launch sooner rather than later it'll be coming soon um, but we don't know an exact date yet. Um, but we do know that's coming to Epic Game Store, GOG, and Steam on October 19th. 
Um, the game looks pretty good. If you want to check that out, visually a, a very visually good looking game. Um, you can check out the trailer on Head Up YouTube channel. Star Wars is getting a seven game heritage pack. Right now, it seems to be only available in <clears throat> um, the U.S. Um, and I believe the other the other air uh, the other regions will be coming at a later date. Um, but the heritage patch pack is what it's going to be called. It's uh, going to be $60, and it's going to include seven games, including the uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, Republic Commando, Episode One Racer, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, Knights of the Old Republic, and Knights of the Old Republic 2, Sith Lords. Um, so that's actually pretty cool. I, I really like that, and it's a decent price for $60 for 70 games that are all full-fledged games. Pretty cool. Really like that. Um... So if you want to check that out, um, yeah, that, that I believe it's getting a physical version, so, which I definitely am interested in picking that up. It, it seems like that's going to be a really good deal. Even though I already have Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, Racer and Commando um, in, in the dual packs that they released for PS4, still a pretty, I mean, that's a I mean, pretty good deal for the rest of them. I am surprised that the Force Unleashed 2, well, I could, have they done the Force Unleashed 2 again? Maybe they haven't done that one yet. I believe the Force Unleashed on the Switch is the Wii version, which people thought was better. I don't remember exactly. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> Erase that from your memory. I don't remember. I'm not going to make a statement about like that. Uh, but the Force Unleashed is worth it on its own um, next to all these other games, too. So there you go. Hunt the Showdown. <clears throat> this is the uh, kind of like Battle Royale where you fight against other people and crazy monsters. It's getting a native PS5 and Xbox Series S and X version. That'll be released next year in April. Uh, developer Crytek has announced, along with an engine upgrade and an in, they make it in line with the current CryEngine update. Uh, the technical ambitions and more will be revealed in a roadmap video outlining the changes to come, which is going to be coming uh, in the future. Uh, they announced that the game was going to be getting a 60 frames per second patch, which was, which will be released on PS4 first. And then the 4K visuals, along with enhanced controller support and input upgrades, will be released on the PS5. David Fifield, general manager of the Hunt franchise, cites internal statistics and, sp and speaks to the community at large and says that the game should uh, the, the changes should affect less than 10% of active users while enhancing the experience of 90% in a free upgrade path. Um, so if you have the game on PS4, it's free for PS5 and vice versa on Xbox and then on April 2024, support for the game will cease on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions of the game. So, there you go. The Last Faith <clears throat> has a release date now. This is a 2D-style action platformer game in the same vein as Blasphemous, heavily inspired by Bloodborne's art style. Um, originally, they said that the game was going to be releasing this year. Uh, just in a, as a general 2023, but now the game has been officially announced to arrive on the 15th of November. Uh, there's a new trailer on PlayStation's YouTube channel, which showed off the various environments you're going to be going through and various enemies you're going to be seeing. It's very much like Blasphemous or Castlevania looking, um, so if you like either of those two games that I just said, you may want to check this one out. It just it has more of a gothic feel to it. Looks like there's gruesome finishers with them as well. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty cool. Definitely check this out if you haven't yet. As I talked about last week, the DL, the first DLC expansion for Dredge has been uh, a bit delayed, uh, but they officially released a, a trailer for the DLC called The Pale Reach, which is a kind of like a, an iceberg kind of looking area where there's a bunch of ice fields surrounding it and uh, little chunks of ice in the water that you got to break through. Um, they also announced that you're going to be able to customize your ship in the future um, and, of course, expand your storage even more. Um, you're going to be facing new foes and new apparitions as well. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's set to launch on November 16th. Uh, coming soon on October 12th is a game called From Space. This is a top-down cooperative shooter. Uh, where you battle mutant aliens. It has a kind of like a retro 80s vibe to it. Uh, lots of purple or pink goop around everywhere. Um, in each character, there's like 
there's like six characters to choose from. Each one has their own special abilities. Like there's a flame trooper, a medic, an engineer, all that good stuff. Uh, there's going to be 30 weapons to upgrade and gadgets to get, um, along with uh, several levels to go through. And, um, yeah, it's like a horde mode kind of 2D. It's top-down. I'm sorry, top-down uh, action game. So if you want to check that out, that's coming out October 12th. Uh, trailer on PlayStation's YouTube channel. Another game coming out is called The Gecko Gods. <clears throat> Uh, this is just an announcement trailer. I don't believe that there is an official release date just yet, but this is a game that uh, puts you into a cute open world where you'll solve puzzles and adventure as a tiny gecko. Um, there's like an arpeggio-style uh, area to explore, um, lots of cliffs and stuff to climb, and puzzles to solve. Also, you can sail a boat, kind of like in Wind Waker, <laughs> um, except not as not as far-reaching. It's just a cutesy-looking looking game. Uh, the gecko is pretty cute, and the areas you explore are kind of like that cell-shaded graphical style. Pretty cool. Um, very, very fun. Um, the game will make use of the 3D audio and haptic feedback from for the PS4 5 version. Uh, the game is going to arrive sometime in 2024. And finally for today, here are six games that are leaving Xbox Game Pass uh, soon, on, on October 15th. Uh, we have Evil, Overwhelm, Shenzhen IO, The Legend of Taidang, Tiding, Tangding, <laughs> Chuck the Yami, and Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Um, Chuck the Yami and Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion are the two games I would recommend to try out before they leave. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, make sure you play any of those games if you're interested in them before, uh, before they leave the store. Both of the, both of the games I mentioned are pretty short. You can beat those in like a day or two. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the final part of the show, which is uh, the closing. And we usually like to do a um, guess that song at the end of the episode. Just as a reminder, you can ask questions and get hints for the songs if you need them. Uh, last week's song, No One Got, and that was the song Sorrow, which plays at the ending credits of Resident Evil 4. Um Probably a, that was probably a bit of a diff, more difficult one because how many people have actually got to the end of Resident Evil 4, huh? <laughs> um, but uh, this week should be a little bit easier. I, I picked it from a game that we've played on stream. It's still a horror game, so keep that in mind. Let's listen to the song right now. Okay, if you want to try and guess that song, either join the Discord and comment in the Ferret 64 section the name of the song and the game that it came from, or you can comment in the YouTube comments down below and say, what's up, this is the song name and the game it came from. And I will give you a heart and give you a congratulations in the comments as well. Um <clears throat> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fair 64. I know it's been a bit of a rough one since I have uh, I'm sick. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check me out, we're streaming on Twitch Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday when I'm not sick. Right now we're doing Halloween Bingo if you want to sign up for that. It's in the Ferret Nation Discord. Links are in the description on YouTube videos. Uh, you can join there and join in on the fun. And if you haven't joined yet, there's still Oh, excuse me. <laughs> There's still room. You can just play for fun if you want. It doesn't matter. Um, other than that, uh, everything else, it's all at Yummy the Ferret, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Also, Yummy the Ferret VODs is also available to watch. Those are the VODs of my live streams and playthroughs of games. Uh, they are uploaded after I'm done with a the game we're currently working on. Uh, right now, we're playing through The Last of Us Part 1, the remaster of The Last of Us, I guess you could say. Well, no, not even, because there was a remaster on PS4. <laughs> so the last was part one, the re-remaster. Um, I'm playing through that right now. We're almost done with it. We're, we just hit winter, so we sh it should be another stream or so, and we'll continue to the next game in the, our Halloween schedule. All right, folks, have a good rest of your week or weekend. I will talk to you next time. I'm the Fair, and I'm out of here. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. 
The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.